And my topic that was coming up was the placebo effect. And so I was writing down all this stuff and then literally the whole idea of love bottle just, um, and I just knew so intensely that this is what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I bought the domain name that night, love bottle, and, um, and I gave notice the next day. Hello, darling. You're listening to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your host, Portia Scott. This podcast is a collection of interviews and stories, weaving together life's pivotal moments and the decisions made to show up and impact humanity, one person at a time. Hello, darlings, and happy Earth Day. I'm super excited about this week's episode and our house guest because we are not only releasing this episode on Earth Day, but we are also celebrating their 13th year anniversary as a company. And so all of our listeners get a 15% off discount code to the Love Bottle. You may be thinking, what is a Love Bottle? Well, the Love Bottle was created to help improve the physical and emotional health of our bodies and spirits, our communities, and planet. With every sip, you can feel great knowing that you are supporting your own health, reducing plastic water bottle use, and helping to get clean water to the millions of people who need it. Using a Love Bottle is just a reminder to wear our hearts out, to stand for love, and to remember that at our core, we are all love. Man, do we need that message of love now. So head over to thelovebottle.com, enter the discount code WAKEUP15, and you will get 15% off your purchase until the end of the month. Hello, darlings, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am so excited about our house guest today. Um, It's so amazing how... Oftentimes when I am looking or researching for organizations or people that are just doing good in the world, how things just happen. And I was doing research uh, and I found this organization called The Love Bottle. For those that are not watching the video, you can't see, but I have my own love bottle (laughs) And on the front, it says believe and it's a super cute water bottle. You know, it honestly reminds me. So I used to love Coke when uh, when I was younger, but for a long time. And I don't know if you remember, Coke had that glass bottle. And I know this isn't quite like it, but it reminds me of it. Um, But the thing about the bottle is every time I look at it, every time I pick it up, it's the messaging. And so my bottle is the believe bottle and it has like joy and life and love. And it's just those reminders during the day, not only that I'm drinking my water, but that I'm conscious about the water that's going into my body, but I'm also conscious about the messaging. And what better way to have something that we all have that we use so very often to remind us uh, of these just positive narratives and how important it is uh, to drink water and how important water is. And she's doing way more than just selling or producing a water bottle. We're going to get into the fact that they give to other causes that are providing clean water to communities that need them. And so our house guest today is Mina Yu, and she is the CEO and founder of The Love Bottle. So The Love Bottle, they are currently on a mission to improve the physical and emotional health of our bodies and our spirits, our communities, and our planet with every sip. So Mina has quite a background. Uh, She was in neuroscience and nutrition, and this is what led her to look for an easier way to improve health, and the idea of the love bottle was born. I really want her to tell her story, so I'm not going to go much into her introduction because I want her to tell the story, but I want you to help me welcome Mina to the podcast. Hi, Mina. Hi. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Mina, thank you so much for sending my love bottle. I love it. It was funny. I got the love bottle and I think I 
sent you an email and I said, I received it and I opened it, but I didn't want to open it completely because I wanted to kind of really experience it. So uh, I did this whole self-care kind of thing around it, right? I had my bath salts and my bath oil and I took a bath and I had my candles and it was the first time I sipped from it. So I had water in it. It was amazing. And um, I think it was from our first conversation and I really wanted to understand the importance of the love bottle and for me in that self-care moment it reminded me that i am love right like it reminded me of just love itself and humanity and so thank you for creating this ah oh, thank you so much uh for your warm welcome and introduction yeah it's been such a journey you know in life you really don't know where where the journey is going to take you you can have one idea when you're growing up even when you're in school I definitely have focused all my energy and, and even in high school, I had internships with doctors and my dad was a doctor and I thought I would grow up to be a doctor. And so I was pre-med, majored in neuroscience, took the MCATs and it was kind of, um, it was when I graduated from college and was applying to medical schools that I realized there's that little gut inkling of like, is this what I'm supposed to do? And I it, I was so new at kind of really listening to that, that it was through my essays that I wrote that it became more loud because it, I'd say, oh, being a doctor is a great profession. If I wanted to be a doctor more, that would be great. What was kind of the, this, the tone that was coming through the essays. And I'm like, I can't, can't apply to med schools with this. What is this, what is this telling you? And so I decided to give myself three years to really to work in the field and see, is this really a good fit? And so I helped run clinical research trials in San Francisco with a neurologist. And I feel like that really helped play a part into where my journey went because I loved working with patients. I love getting to help them and, um, and really care, you know, learn what it was that they were looking for. And really what I realized is they want health, they want wellness, physical and emotional wellness. What I found challenging with where I was working was that the doctor didn't have time to really sit with the patient and say, where are your headaches coming from? Why are they increasing? Or does it have to do with your diet or your lifestyle or your stress or your sleep? It was, let's try this medication because that's all, I mean, he had five minutes. He didn't really have the time to dive in with each one. And um, so it was like, let's try this medication, let's try this medication. And they would be so grateful because it would work briefly and then it would come back or the frequency of the headaches became stronger. We did a lot of migraine. Uh, we had a lot of migraine patients and we did a lot of migraine studies and we would notice that the frequency would increase and not only that, we noticed that the um, intensity that sometimes over a few months or a year, that medication would stop working and then we'd have to go find a new one. And now instead of one headache a month, they're getting three or four. And so I just wondered, are we really helping these patients? And so, and I also, while I was working there and running these studies, Big Pharma was spending billions of dollars studying their study medication versus a placebo, which is like a sugar pill. And they were double blind. So we didn't know, were they getting study medication or placebo? And so that's, you know, kind of standard, um, standard clinical research should have a double blind. And so researchers spend, big pharma spends so much money in wondering, is my medicine better than a sugar pill or, you know, some inert nothing substance? And so, and when you see the study results, they always show the power of what the placebo has. And what does that mean? It means that the sugar pill had some efficacy of reducing pain or um, of having some positive result. And, and then they have to show that their medicine, if the placebo worked this much, they had to show that their medicine worked a significant amount more than the sugar pill. And I kept wondering, why aren't we investigating this power of the placebo? It, it has this powerful effect that we have to show this is more um, effective. And so I was always intrigued by that placebo effect. And in some cases, they found that the body releases, you know, measurable, um, like, like in, in certain studies, you can find, oh, if I take this medication and my body will produce this hormone, and then you take a sugar pill, 
then it'll find that your body produces that hormone to the sugar pill. Just and so it's so powerful, and it's it really an influence and in what our expectation is. And um, found that really exciting. In the medical world, I realized I wanted to do something more with optimal health and wellness, preventative health, as opposed to kind of this band-aid fix that I found medications were doing. And so I decided I wasn't going to pursue um, becoming a doctor, which was really scary. Like I was going to ask, was that hard to make that pivot and one, make that decision? The whole time that you've gone to high school and college and now this is, that's been your whole life. So how do you, how do you navigate? It was terrifying. It was so, it was so intense, especially being in your twenties, everything you had put all your work and energy for towards, um, with this expectation of going towards a school that you you and I knew it well. I grew up around a lot of doctors, my and my dad being a doctor, and their expectation for me to become a doctor was another, you know, weight in there as well. And so it it was it was terrifying. Um, I think if I had another like, no, but I want to be an artist, or no, I want to be, you know, this other thing, and that was really strong, it wouldn't have been as scary. All I knew was that wasn't for me, and I didn't know what was for me yet. And so that made it even scarier because it's like, well, then why are you giving up this if you don't even know what that is, especially when this is such, you know, a safe, respectable, honorable path that you know really well and that you've put in all the work for. Like, really, you're going to step off that path for who knows what? And so that was really that was really scary. And I called because I didn't know what was on the other side. I called it the void. I, I thought I was entering the void of unknown because I didn't know what my future really held. I didn't have a strong alternative dream that I was holding on to. I just knew I wanted to help people and I wanted to help people in, in, in health and wellness. And so I just kind of followed that and I followed you know, there's um, that saying, follow your bliss. And so I just followed what made me happy and gave me joy. And that was food and cooking and making delicious foods. And, and so I started looking at chef courses. And as I did, I found this natural chef, chef course that came with, you know, about health and wellness. And with that, mm -hmm. they also had a nutrition course as well. And I was like, oh, so I signed up for both. And I loved I love both, but the nutrition part really called to me. And so I ended up doing a nutrition educator course and then became a nutrition consultant um, and did that secondary course. And so, and then I found a job being a nutrition consultant at a clinic um, where we were rebalancing brain chemistry using amino acid supplementation. What exactly is that balancing the brain and then using amino acids like... So rebalancing brain chemistry using amino acids is, so amino acids are found in different proteins and stuff, and they're the building blocks of our neurotransmitters. So serotonin builds off 5-HTP and um, adrenaline builds off of uh, tyrosine. And so there's, so there's different um, amino acids you can take that help to uh, supplement your body's ability to create these different neurotransmitters. And so we worked with um, we worked with an with a clientele that had a lot of addiction issues, emotional issues, um, anxiety, um, depression. And so there is a lot of, you know, they did a lot of different testing for hormonal balance, food allergies, all these different things. We worked worked with a naturopath, an MD, um, I was a nutritionist and a PhD. So it's kind of a full, a full table approach, a full um, to, to how we were working with this. But so we worked with food and supplementation as the predominant um, form of, of therapy, really. And so in that, I had to, you would have to take pills upon awakening with breakfast, in between breakfast and lunch, with lunch, in between lunch and dinner, with dinner and before bedtime. And so sometimes people were pay, taking like a hundred 
supplements a day. It was really complicated. And then we would fine tune it. How is your energy? Oh, how is your, you know, your cravings? Oh, let's increase the tyrosine. Let's increase the glutamine. Let's, you know, how is your mood? How is your calm? Like, so we would, it required a lot of handholding and um, it was really expensive and it was a lot of supplementation. And so we, we did, we helped a lot of people as effective, but it wasn't something that was applicable to the masses. And so I kept thinking there has to be an easier way. There has to be an easier way to improve health for everybody, not just those who could afford this expensive program or fly out to, you know, the Bay area and, and take the time and all the handholding and, um, and buy all these supplements. I'm like, there just has to be an easier way, at least on a foundational level. And the idea of love bottle hit me. It wasn't this idea of like a company and all this stuff. It was more this idea of people drinking with love and drinking out of these bottles. And they're so happy. I had this, it kind of struck me really strongly because I was brainstorming actually for my master's in nutrition. And I was just sitting down with a yellow legal pad and I was I was thinking about what should my thesis be. And so all day I was saying, I'm open to inspiration. I'm open to inspiration. And I sat down and I started brainstorming. And my topic that was coming up was the placebo effect. And so I was writing down all this stuff. And then literally the whole idea of love bottle just struck me so, so strong. And I had that visual of all these people so happy drinking this water with love and birds singing and the sun shining and I heard music and um, and I just knew so intensely that this is what I was supposed to do and you know I bought the domain name that night love bottle and um, and I gave notice the next day at my at my nutrition consultant position I gave them a three-month notice because they needed to train someone new and so and I knew it would take me some time to figure out what I was doing and so um, everybody, you know, people thought I was a little crazy. I thought I was a little crazy because I'd never known something so strongly or made such a crazy decision in, in one moment, but it was so, I knew with such clarity that is what I was supposed to do. This thinking about your um, background of neuroscience, the the family that you come from, um, I'm sure that taking this, you know, first of all, you say, I'm no longer going to be a doctor. I don't know what I'm going to be. So you start kind of doing this. And then now it's, well, I'm getting ready to stop that too. And I'm going to mm -hmm. create this company in three months. And so, yes, you gave them three months, you know, where a normal resignation would be two weeks. But when you think about three months from one idea that night, that's pretty, that's a pretty hefty load to lift, right? Because you're like, I had this idea and I'm doing it. And I, I think it's so important because you said that you've never felt anything um, that strongly. Like, I know you saw the people like in your mind, when you thought about, I'm going to do this, I mean, did you even feel like this is going to work? Like, did you have that feeling of, I don't know how it's going to work, but this is going to work? I, I felt so, I didn't even question, is this going to work? It's, and, and, you know, the fact that I didn't have any business background was probably a good thing. I think if I had, you would know all the pitfalls and ways that businesses fail and like, all the things you need beforehand. Like I just didn't know any, you know, I just had a science background and I just, but I just knew there was like this, um, I was so sure, you know, and I, I felt so that things would be taken care of, that it would just, that it would unfold and happen. That, you know, along the way, I, I when I look back, that that feeling was, was incredible. Like, there's definitely been times in the 13 years since then where I have to go revisit that time where it was so, where the vision and the plan and the, the feeling were so powerful, was so powerful and clear. Whereas like, you know, along the way, all these things happen that make you start to think about things differently that dilute or you get swayed by somebody else's opinion and stuff like that. But it was just this it was just this powerful, I, it was like a lightning bolt. And um, I remember that week I filled up like an entire notebook of just ideas and sketches and, you know, um, 
different words that I found were positive that I wanted to put on the bottle, just different people I wanted to share it with and, and all this stuff. It was, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't even let other people's, you know, kind of where I was really lucky. Not that many people close to me thought I was like crazy. You know, my parents were, I think because I was so sure my husband was supportive. He helped me buy the domain name. He wasn't like, are you kidding me? What are you thinking? He was, I think maybe the way I spoke about it because I was so sure of it made them like, okay, let's, I believe you. I I'm in, you know, I'm in this with you because I kind of look back and like, why didn't more people like try to stop me or like, you know, put the brakes on it? Um, maybe that, you know, prod and question like, OK, you know, but they but nobody was like, you shouldn't do this or what are you thinking and stuff like that. Per, like as I if you went beyond my inner circle, then maybe they would <laughs> wonder a little more. And even my boss, too, was like, so how's that going? Um, in terms of finding a manufacturer, that was really challenging. We're here at the three month mark, right? So mm -hmm. you leave your job and now you are full-time <laughs> employee founder of The Love Bottle. And you, you, you grabbed the domain, so you have that. What was like the first thing that you had to do? And it sounds like you had to find a manufacturer. And um, when I look back, I'm thinking like, how hard was that? Because it, it just like now if somebody says, oh, I need to go find a manufacturer. I mean, it's easy. But um, how was it then with just making those first steps? So, I mean, I did that during the three months. So while I was working, I was also, you know, figuring out how to create um, a legal structure, finding a, a, you need a bank and an attorney and, a you know, like all these different things. So I was working on all of that, created a C-Corp. Um, created the trademark and I was looking, finding the manufacturer was challenging. I wanted to find a U.S. manufacturer and they all required two to three million bottles minimum. And that was, you know, when I calculated, I would need like $67 million startup. And this was back in 2007. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get that. That's, that's crazy. And so I had about 50,000 to start up. And so I was like, well, let's keep looking. And um, so I, I realized I might have to start overseas, but even looking overseas, everything in China was in Chinese. There was no like, there weren't all these middle companies that were kind of connecting businesses to manufacturers. And so I, I was kind of struggling and floundering there a little bit, but I, I just kind of knew it would happen. And in one morning, maybe two months into my notice, my boss said, how's it going looking for your manufacturer? And I said, oh, you know, it's it's not bad. I'm I'm sure it's going to just, you know, I've been looking and there's there's some promise there. I'm sure I'll find something soon. And I wrote an email that morning to somebody saying, I think I'm going to find my manufacturer soon, although I didn't re really have any new leads or anything. But I was like, I think it's going to happen soon. And then that afternoon, I went to a Pilates class that I went to with it was like a semi private with two of my friends and our teacher was like, oh, here's a woman. She's joining you just for today. And then to us, she's like, and to the woman, she's like, oh, this group is kind of, this is her last lesson because one of my friends was getting married. Another one was moving. And she's like, oh, and Mina's starting a company. And so the woman's like, oh, what company are you starting? And I sheepishly had to like show her my, it was like a lemonade glass bottle and I had masking tape on it and sharpened the word love. So it looked like, you know, it was my little homemade first love bottle. I'm like starting a glass water bottle company. Like I'm still looking for a manufacturer. And she's like, oh, I do all the glass, um, all the glass manufacturing for Z Gallery. It's like a huge home furnishings chain. And so she's like, you need to know someone in the industry to get this done. She's like, here's my card, email me and I'll, I'll connect you. And so I still remember her card. It was black and white striped and I never met her again. She put me in touch that evening and I with a with a company in Hong Kong who works with all the factories in China and my and Ivan was like, how can I help you with your project? Like just out of nowhere from like that morning, having zero leads to that night, having Ivan's email and him saying, how can I help you with your project? And me being like, I want to make a glass water bottle, you know, and and so we were able to 
find one that worked and um, and start with a round of 10,000 to start. And so it was, it, I call it serendipitous, you know, where like sometimes there's nothing I could have done to try to push for that, right? I couldn't have been like, how can I try to, you know, force this encounter with somebody? Um, and so it just kind of fell into my lap. And I found throughout the journey that's happened a number of times in, in different ways and circumstances. Yeah, I feel like I need to go to a Pilates class. When, when you were designing the, the, the love bottle and you thought about all the words, I mean, you wanted more than just to design and to give people a water bottle with pretty words on it. Really, what was your intention? Like, what did you feel like this water bottle would do or what you wanted it to do or how you wanted people to feel? So ultimately, I wanted when people drink water to feel connected to love. So love has, love is really hard to define. So it's, you know, it's not like, so it's been, it's challenging to put on a little thing like, oh, you know, and it's also overused and used in so many ways. Love is a feeling though. It's an emotion. It's, you know, it's something, it's not just a mental construct. If you really are experiencing love, it's something you feel in your body. And so to feel that while you're drinking water, I think is so powerful and using water as a touchstone to bring that into your life more often and frequently is really what I wanted to do and to connect that to the water to have the water infused with that so that when we drink it into our body, in terms of medicine, the healthiest thing I realized that I could put into the world was water that came with love, water that made you feel love, water that made you realize that you are love, water that made you feel connected to the world with love. And so that's, that's ultimately what starting this journey was all about. And then being like, oh, creating a vessel to help make that happen was kind of secondary, but that was the ultimate kind of vision and mission. And it's so funny um, because it's water. It's like, how is that the number one thing um, that you thought of? Why was, you know, water so important and how does it connect to us really as humans? So as I was asking myself every day, there's got to be an easier way to improve health on a fundamental level that's accessible to, to everybody. When, when the idea of water came, it was like, oh, of course water, because our bodies are 60 to 70% water. And when we're born, we're actually 80% water. And so our main ingredient is water. We are kind of like bags of water. We're vessels of water with a lot of other stuff mixed in, but our main ingredient is water. And so it's if you think about the quality of your main ingredient, you want it to be the purest and cleanest that it can be. And so that's why I thought instead of just having like a, a flat relationship with the water that we drink, we can make it so much more. Just like food, you can have like, you know, like a dry cookie bar that has all your nutrients that you just like mindlessly eat. Or you could have a rich, delicious, colorful meal with your family that's, you know, that's the celebration and this like beautiful um, both to the eyes and to the nose and to the mouth, you know, this whole different experience. And so it's the same thing with water. Why make it this flat thing where it's just like a, a refill, but we can make it so much more to create like a water ritual, to create a relationship to the water that we drink. And all of our cells, our bodies are made of like over 3 trillion cells. And so we're like a universe upon ourselves. If we think about the universe and having so many stars and stuff, our body is made up of all these little tiny cells that are working constantly, endlessly, without our super, you know, without our direction for each one. They just, they're doing their thing. Um, and we don't really, we don't really connect with ourselves on a regular basis or give thanks to ourselves or appreciate them, even though they work so hard to make us, you know, go, go, go and do, do, do. And so I feel like water is such a strong opportunity for that. It's a way to, to send, you know, the number one ingredient of your body to your cells in like a warm bath of love and to say like, you know, thank you cells. Here comes some water with love. I, I really appreciate all your hard work and what you've done and you keep me going and give me energy and um, 
and and stuff like that. And so, because we really go on and on without thinking about how is our body moving and what's keeping it going. Um, and it's all these little cells. They don't get a break. They're constantly churning and doing. And and um, when I when I do that, when I take the time, because even me with this being my career, I don't every second of the day, you know, am consciously giving gratitude to myself. But when I do, it makes me stop and be really present. And my body just kind of opens up. And it's like the floodgates open, like it just wants to drink down all the water. And I'll find like, I'll like finish and my whole love bottle will be empty and I'll still be thirsty. It's like the cells realized I was connecting and appreciating and they open up and they're like, give me this water. I want it. It's like this clean bath for them. And so, so yeah, it's a, it can be a powerful experience. It's how deep do you want to go with it? Right. It can be light. It's, it's a choose your own adventure. If it feels, um, more like more serious and like that kind of you know ceremonial then maybe you'll have that feeling if it's more warm and fuzzy maybe you'll have that or maybe you know and and if someone gifts you a love bottle and it makes you think of them and like feel connected to them then that's amazing too so it can go in so many different ways and what you want to bring into that moment of drinking is really up to you you can pull in if you need strength because you have a hard day ahead or you're feeling tired and you need more energy you can bring that into the water drinking moment you know and, and so it's kind of a I like to think of it as a choose your own adventure kind of thing. We have the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. We were able to get the glasses manufactured. And then what happens? You know, do you go online? Are you just telling family and friends like? Mm-hmm. What is the anniversary of the love bottle? So. I thought of the love bottle April 1st, 2007, and we were able to launch with product on Earth Day 2008. So 2008 is our birthday and um, and Earth Day is our birthday. And so I was so excited to be able to time it on Earth Day because, you know, the bottles are all about love, but not just love for us, love for the planet. I've always been a passionate environmentalist, even from middle school and seventh grade, we were using styrofoam trays and we were learning in science about how styrofoam was ruining the ozone layer. And so I wrote on a styrofoam tray to the principal, why are you teaching us one thing, but practicing another? Why are we using these trays every day? And he sent it to the principal and he called me in for a meeting and he said, all right, what should we do about this? And so we looked into alternatives and we found these reusable washable hard plastic trays and we stopped using the disposable styrofoam and he's also and he also had me he invited me to start the first recycling club for the for the school and so that was in seventh grade and so you know at home I was always a person pulling out like um like aluminum cans or paper being like why are we recycling this who who threw this in the garbage um and I was the recycle police I guess at home and And so, but I didn't think that that was going to be a career of mine. I just thought it was like, you know, an important passion of mine. And so, because I was on my trajectory to be a doctor. And so the fact that Love Bottle was able to pull together this health and wellness piece and this environmental piece and this love piece, because the love part was always something I'd felt my whole life. This, This belief that inside everybody, there was goodness and that we're all love. And that that's kind of what connected us all. Like I always felt that with people, if you recognize and believe that they're made of love, that they are love, that what you get from them is totally different than if you're, you know, wary or suspicious or, you know, and so that's just always the belief I carried. And, and I think because of it, it was, you know, I got, I got, I drew out or was able to see the goodness in people. And um, and so it was a reinforced belief because people were always kind and nice and people would be like, oh, you're so lucky. And I'm like, I me, you know, I, I do feel lucky um, that I've had, you know, great friends and great experiences, 
but I also believed in that as well. And so I feel like Love Bottle brought in my science, my health and wellness, this belief in love and connection, and my dream to help the environment and the planet. So let's talk about how you got it into the world, because it wasn't as easy as it is now, you know, to produce a product, put it on social media, you got Shopify, you have all these different sites that kind of help you push that. So what did that look like for you? Yeah, I had zero budget. I mean, the 50,000 I had went towards, you know, legal fees, trademark, my website, my laptop, and then that first round of bottles. So we didn't have anything. We didn't have a marketing budget or and or any staff it's just me me and a computer and a and a website i threw a launch party i did have a lot of friends in san francisco so that was something i could do so i threw a launch party and i also just talked about it a lot I had my love bottle with me constantly and so people would ask me questions and the, the launch party helped start some you know a little bit of a ripple effect but a month into it the big thing that changed everything that gave it a big push was we were mentioned in, in daily candy which isn't even around anymore but it was like a daily blog that had a big um, a big subscriber base that was based in New York that gave like, you know, different tips about wellness and fashion and, you know, different things. And they featured me in it. And within like one hour, I got like 200 emails and 200 orders and made all the, you know, like, it just was like, what's happening? Ding, 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 ding. Like all, you know, the website was blowing up. My email was blowing up. And I was like, how did they find us? And it turned out that I had gotten like my eyebrows done from a woman who I had my bottle and she was like, what's that? And then she, her next client was worked with um, or like a client, I don't know, some other time worked for Daily Candy and she told her about the love bottle. And so that's how Daily Candy heard about Love Bottle and checked us out on their website and didn't even tell us that they were going to feature us, featured us. And that pushed us into kind of the world of, you know, can we carry your bottle? So stores were asking to carry our bottle. Someone asked, oh, do you have a sales rep? Can I represent your bottles like and bring them to stores? And so it really kind of changed a lot of things for us. And it kind of gave us that boost. And like I said, sometimes you don't know where it's sometimes it seems like the universe will give you a little boost and a lift in a way that you couldn't have um, done on your own. Wow. So I was going to ask you, like, how do they even find you? I had to detectively like look back into like, who's this person? And so I reached out to the author and said, how did you hear about us? And she's like, I was getting my eyebrows done by this person. And she was telling me all about the love bottle. And um, and so it's, it was really funny. So apparently what I shared in talking um, while getting my eyebrows waxed was had enough passion that, you know, it made my, the eyebrow woman talk about it with equal passion to another client. So you just, I don't know, you just never know sometimes what, what might unfold. Yeah. I think about the fact that we go back to that yoga class and how you said you kind of sheepishly kind of talked about your little bottle, right? Cause you had it with your little masking tape and then you move over to now getting your eyebrows done and the conversation has changed or not the conversation, but your pride or you know excitement about it and passion about it that now now she's like oh i'm excited about that too so i love that and i know you went to trade shows and and all of these things and so how do you end up in target and whole foods there's been like two iterations of our company so initially we were manufactured in china and then um in, in these smaller batches, but I always had a dream to bring it to the US if that were possible. Although those two to three million minimums were such a huge hurdle that I didn't know how we would go from these little batches to those giant batches. And manufacturing in China was challenging. I went to go visit the factories um, in 2010, 2009. And this, the manufacturing cities of China are incredibly polluted. It was something I hadn't seen before and it was really um, intense and overwhelming, especially when I was like, reduce plastic, you know, say no to single use. This is good for the planet, good for your body. But the city of all these factories was just, the sky wasn't blue, the sun glowed a weird orange and 
um, it was, it felt like, oh gosh, this, I, this isn't where I, I expected my bottles to be made. And the people I didn't, you know, I'm Korean, so I don't speak Chinese. So I couldn't speak directly to the workers there. They, they looked happy and content, but I couldn't ask them questions about anything. And I was just there for one day. And the way that most of the manufacturing factories in China are set up is there's dorm living that's part of the factory. So there's like the dorms, the factory, and then like a courtyard of outdoor space. It just felt really enclosed and like, it's not like, I don't want to, I don't, it reminded me of a prison, although there wasn't a prison-like feel, feel. they didn't feel like they were slaves or anything like that. So I don't want to give that impression, but it just, the living, working all in one thing and where they didn't really seem to have a, you know, the ability to do a lot outside of that. And I couldn't give more. I just kept being told livable wages or no legal wages. That's what they kept saying. Legal wages, legal wages. They're getting legal wages. And so this dream about moving manufacturing was always there. And so in 2013, I said, we're going to close down or go U.S. And I really thought strongly about closing down. I just had my second child. I was paying for a full-time nanny. I was so busy. I was like, maybe I just want to be like, I never had a maternity leave when you're your own mom. I'm still so jealous of people who have a maternity leave. Like, I think I was texting while like five centimeters dilated with my second son. Like, I'll be back in the office, you know, like I'll be back in two days or something like that. And, And you just don't really get that break when you're kind of the main person in charge. And so I thought maybe, maybe it's time to close down. And the quality in China was like, I felt like whack-a-mole. Why is the printing has an issue? Okay. So then that resolved, but then the lid had an issue and we'd get that fixed. And then this would have. And so I was like, I just wanted to have something that where I could really feel so good about the quality and the way it was manufactured. And so I decided to close the company actually in 2013. And then enough people were like, are you, are you crazy? Why are you going to do like, what are you going to do afterwards? Let's say I take two years off or something. What am I going to do afterwards? And when I kept going through is, oh, I want to do something for the environment and helping people and, you know, giving back. And, and it ended up being like love bottle again. And I'm like, close it down and then restart it in two years. You can't do that. And so I decided, okay, let's go for U.S. manufacturing. And so we, we went for that. And that was like starting a company all of, cause we were reinventing it. And this time we had to find a designer, like, in with in Hong Kong, he was like, how can I help you? And he kind of helped create the bottle. Here, we're like, we need a lid manufacturer. We need a ceramics mold maker. We need a printer. We had to source everything. And it was, yeah, like a two-year process. And a lot of people said, you're crazy. What are you doing? Go to China. Like, go overseas. Why are you swimming against the current? But you had to do what was right for your heart, right? It's it's I, and I, and I want to just add because I know when you were talking about how it felt, like you said, it wasn't like they were in prison, but it just had that feel um, because they're sleeping where they where they work and things like that. And so I was talking to my husband actually about the interview, and I was like, I'm super excited, and I kind of tell him the story. And he he's done. I mean, he's traveled all over, and he's been to uh, China too. And he was saying. Uh, like before I could finish it, he said, oh yeah, they, they're, they work where they, you know, they're sleeping where they work because a lot of times they come into the city to work, but they live so far away. So commuting isn't an option. Um, and so he was just saying, cause he did a lot of culture. Um, so he was saying that he had heard that before. So when you said it, I, um, I was like, oh, okay, I get it, you know, and, and can understand that. And I think sometime it is, we got to make those tough decisions, right? Like, once you saw it, you couldn't unsee it. And it wasn't that, like you said, I, you know, it wasn't like it was like child labor or anything like that, but it just didn't align with what you saw and with your vision and, um, and your beliefs. So, so yeah. And so sometime I think I say that because a lot of times we don't go forward or we stop completely or it looks crazy. And so we don't do it or we compromise our values or the reason why we started. And so to hear your story that you essentially had to start all over again. Um, so when you were in China, China was manufacturing the bottles for Target and and Whole Foods? Well, okay. while we were while we were manufactured in China, we were 
um, and we were selling into Whole Foods and a lot of natural grocery. We were in a lot of, but we weren't in Target yet. That happened a little later. Um, and when I was in, when I was making the China bottles, I didn't go to trade shows really. That was very passive. And I had a sit, like one um, amazing sales rep who, you know, I had little babies. I had little babies right after starting the company. And so she was the one kind of on the road um, touting love bottle and stuff. And so that was really fantastic. And she helped get us into a lot of Whole Foods. How did you find um, your sales rep? Did you She just... reached out to me. She, she wrote like, it was the same thing. Like, oh, I love your company. The mission really aligns with me. Like, I'd love to represent your product. Are you open to working together? And so, so I, we did a phone interview, we chatted. She flew out, she was in New Jersey. She flew out to, um, Cal to California. I was in SF at the time. She did go to a number of trade shows. Now that I'm remembering, she went to trade shows because um, I didn't want to, I was still breastfeeding. I, you know, I was like, I can't leave for three days. Um, and so, yeah, that was, so she helped kind of get it into really push the retail market. So how, so you said it, take, it takes you two years to get back up and running. Mm -hmm. And so once you're back up and running, are you still in Whole Foods and, uh -huh. and in all of these? So we kind of timed the transition where we had enough bottles from China to last us until our U.S. bottles. So we didn't like run out of bottles for a, a long spell. We kind of timed it so we can transition into the new ones. Although near the end, we placed our final order with China and then we're like, come on, U.S. bottles, be done. Um, let's let's get this rolling. And, you know, that that minimum two to three million, we weren't ready for that leap yet we were still doing 20 to 40,000 bottle orders not these massive ones and so so that was a challenge I was still calling U.S. manufacturers and they're still like oh we got a one to two one minimum at one million bottle minimum at you know at the lowest but typically two to three and I was just like geez so I just started talking to all these people kind of which is kind of my go-to when you have an idea talk to people and then people be like, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to this person. And then they'll, and then I will go to, this is back when you can meet someone for coffee and I meet someone for coffee and I'd be like, oh, you know, thanks for meeting with me. This is my idea. And then we'd chat. And then usually at the end, they'd be like, you know who you should talk to is this person. And so sometimes I'd go like a few people deep and one man that I talked to who worked for Nike and also was an inventor and did other things. He's like, why are you manufacturing in China? He really couldn't grasp why I wanted to come to the US because a lot of Nikes manufactured overseas too. So I, I really you know, tried to explain um, where I was coming from, what our bottle was about. And then he's like, you know what? One of my best friends works for a US glass manufacturer. She's like pretty high up. She'd love this idea. I should introduce you. And so, so that, that day he introduced me to Saga via email and she worked at Owens, Illinois. She fell in love with the idea. She's like, you need to talk to the VP of North America. He'll love this idea. And so the next day there is a snowstorm. He would have otherwise been too busy, but he was stuck at home. And so we were all on the phone and he's like, we are gonna make these bottles. Don't you worry about the minimums. This is our company needs to do something like this. We need to support ideas like this. We'll figure it out. And so that's how that journey started. And it was, again, just talking to someone who introduced me to someone who introduced me to someone who knew somebody. And then, you know, it's, um, and so then they, they were one of the companies I'd called with the two to 3 million minimum, but because, you know, the VP of North America, he was like, no, we're going to try to do the best we can. And I was like, can you do 40,000? And they're like, we will see. And then, and in the end, it ended up being over 250,000, which was still a huge leap for us, but down from the two to 3 million. So we kind of met in the middle. Uh, one of the things that you all do is that you give 5% back. Um, so had that always been part of the business model to be able to give back? Yes. Um, so we've always given back to help get clean water to people who need it. So like I said, our bodies are 60 to 70% water. Water's the foundation of good health. Like if, if you are dehydrated, you can eat all the expensive organic foods and take all the expensive supplements, 
but it's really not gonna matter if you're fundamentally dehydrated because your cells can't function correctly if they're not getting the hydration that they need. And so, so clean water is a huge issue in this world. Where we live in the United States, we kind of take it for granted. Like my kids, when they're little, they're like, but I don't get it, mom. There's endless water. You just turn it on and it keeps coming out forever. They, they didn't understand. And I had to like show them videos like no, in, in other countries, people have to walk predominantly women and children, women and girls have to walk for hours and miles a day carrying water, which is so heavy. And so many times the source of what they're carrying isn't even clean. And so people, you know, children die, people die of diseases that are carried in water. And so getting clean water to people, clean water is such a basic, right? It's like oxygen, right? Oxygen, then water, food. We need those three things to survive. And so clean water should be available to everyone. And it's it still isn't. There's been advances, but there's still, um, so I think there's less than a billion now, but it's still, you know, I think over 600 to 700 million that still lack access to clean water. And so helping get that back to people. So we've supported a different, we um, used to support global water and now we support charity water in getting back water. And we built in initially 5% of revenue because I was like, if you build it, it'll work. Um, and we did that. And even when we were, you know, a, a floundling startup uh, and we're still in the red, we were still giving 5% of revenue. Eventually we switched it to 5% of profits because we're like, okay, we have to be able to stay alive. So let's give back what we can. And so we still give back 5% of revenue, but it's a mixture of, so 5% of profits we give back in cash, and then the rest we give back in bottles because that's something we have more accessibly, like that's more accessible to us than, than cash from the bank. And so, so we help donate to organizations that are trying to raise money for fundraisers or um, for, you know, to if it's a gift to like, you know, um, people who are trying to battle something or get better. So we, so we donate using our bottles and then we donate cash. It just proves, I mean, just in your whole ecosystem, right, of who you are as well as the organization is, is exactly, you know, giving back and just taking care of ourselves, our planet, our communities. It's just intertwined into your culture. So I absolutely love that. One of the things that um, I usually ask at the beginning, but I didn't, I'm going to ask you now is, um, what are you grateful for, Mina? You've had this incredible journey and still on the journey. Um, and so what are you grateful for? I'm, I'm grateful for so much um, because I've really, I feel like I've had a very blessed life. I'm grateful for my parents and my family. I'm grateful for that that trust in love, I guess, that I've had since I was little, I feel like that's been one of the biggest gifts that I've had um, because I feel like that's almost like my superpower is like believing in love and seeing love in other people and in the world. And and I'm so grateful for, for, my, for my kids, for my family, for my friends. Um, and in this journey, all of it, even the hard parts that I've had to figure out I'm grateful. There's been times where I've like railed against love ball. Like, why did you, why do I have to have this be my journey in life or my mission? Um, you know, somewhere in the middle of this 13 years, but I'm so, I'm so grateful that it came into my life and that I've got to, I've been able to make this my life work, um, that I get to be my own boss, the flexibility that it allows me, the the adventures it takes me on, the people I get to work with. It's been truly something I couldn't have imagined growing up. When you think about what is it you want to be when you grow up, couldn't have imagined that it would help me, you know, be part of community and give back and be creative and, you know, help the environment and have a business about love or, you know, health and wellness, all this stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's been really, I'm so grateful for all of that. 
And, and, you know, COVID taught me that, that family's still first, you know, as much as love bottles. So been such an important part of my life, you know, when it comes down to it, I, I will stop it and just, you know, share the message of water and love. But my, my family is, you know, like it's, it's what it's number one for me. And so the fact that Love Bottle lets me be so flexible with that is, I'm incredibly grateful about that. And so I'm just going to ask, are your children into recycling? Oh my gosh, they're, they're well? such little environmentalists. It's so cute. Um, yeah, they, they, we carry, you know, reusable straws in our car. They have their reusable silverware and their little lunch pouches. And they're, they're constantly um, always like, no, don't get that single use or can we recycle this? And it's, it's really cute. And, and the reason, you know, I didn't get to talk so much about why did I choose glass, but glass is endlessly recyclable. So, you know, with plastic, you can recycle it and then it downgrades and then it can only become so many things. And they say, and so much of single use is not recycled, ends up in the oceans, ends up in landfills. And Whereas glass, it can be melted down and remade, melted down and remade endlessly. And so our bottles are made with 40% recycled glass. They don't leach anything into your water, like plastic can leach chemicals and flavors into your water. When you think about what your favorite beverage is, your most expensive favorite beverage is, and what you want to experience that out of, it's never plastic or stainless steel. It's always glass and a beautiful piece of glass, right? If yeah. it's like like yeah. a special, um, you don't want it out of a dirty piece of glass, you want it out of something beautiful. And it's because what we drink out of elevates um, the thing that we're drinking. And so I wanted to create something that elevates our, our water drinking experience. And if it's our main ingredient, we shouldn't treat it the worst because there's lots of it. We should treat it the best and drink it out of something really beautiful and special. And I like glass because it's clear. It lets you see the the water that you're about to drink, which it's like versus like eating out of a dark cave. You know, if it's if it was stainless steel, like if you can't see anything, it changes um, the experience a little bit. And so I love the experience of glass, even though I know it's not as uh, unbreakable as plastic and stainless steel. And so, and I kind of make, you know, at first it really pained me to have product out in the world that could break. And I'm like, why did I start a company with something that could break? And then I'm like, oh, you know what? When something's delicate, we take better care of it. You know, we, 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 when it, we treasure it a little more. And what I even found, I haven't broken very many bottles, but from customers' responses is if they do break a bottle, they don't realize how much they loved it until it's gone. And then they're like, I can't drink it. Everything else isn't the same. I miss my love bottle. I need another love bottle. And then they're usually super careful with it. And then they don't break it. We have some um, customers who've been, they still have our old China bottles. We still sell our China seals because you know, they might lose a seal or it might get a tear, especially those ones from China were thinner. And so they've had their bottle since 2008 and they're still using it all the time. And, you know, and, and I love that. I love that they're still so connected. Um, and, and so people, people form a relationship with their bottles and, and, and I love that it's, you know, making them feel connected and that they making their water drinking experience even that much more coming up do you have any big plans? yeah we um we have a giveaway on our instagram where we're going to give away an earth day everyday bottle and we also i have a a coup like a discount code for your audience i i made it wake up 15 for your viewership and it's for 15 percent off and it's good until the end of the month and so um i love you know so that all of your viewers can use that. And we have free shipping on or orders over $75 or more, and you can combine the two. So don't think you have to choose one code or the other. And so um, you can get free shipping on orders over 75 and use the, the coupon. Thank you so much for that. Mina, I want to say um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I ask every guest this before we leave and you're no different, but I want you to think about, um, you know, you're kind of at a point of retirement or 
you know, you've done everything that you wanted to do with the love bottle and you've been able to touch so many lives and impact clean water globally. And just the love bottle is just a household name. Um, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think what I'm most proud of is working through the challenges. I think that is the hardest part, especially, and it's not just in business, it's in anything. I think life will, there's always something that you need to work through to get to the other side. There's so many opportunities to say, forget it. This is hard or, oh, dead end or nope, it's impossible. There's just, there's endless opportunities to say that, but there's always option to be like, no, I think we can figure it out. Or maybe there's another way or let's give it another shot. I feel like I'm still doing that now with, with the company and we're still pivoting and, and doing different stuff. So I think I'm the most proud of overcoming and achieving, like creating something not once, but twice um, that was even closer to my initial vision. And so I think that's doing something that, initially seemed impossible and get and getting through it. So I would say that. So Mina, yeah. how can we keep up with you? Where can we go to purchase the So if you go to lovebottle.com, you can sign up for our newsletter and then we will always email you if we have a new bottle design or if we're doing any sales or different tips and and um, blog things that we're putting out. You can also find us on Instagram at at Love Bottle USA. Mina, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on and I'm gonna say, I'll leave you with this. Try to leave the earth a better place than when you arrive. Sydney Sheldon.